Hello and welcome to the Riff Raff and Rory podcast. On this podcast, I aim to inspire change by speaking to people that I relate to and we'll be discussing a range of subjects and topics including trauma, adversity, healing and mental health and well-being. Celtic Warrior, Bog Hill Centre, Masculinity, We Forgot We Were Kings. Celtic genius, lineage, inner Irish soul, the Irish language, Pasquale, divine masculine self, alchemist, solitude, ember, language, oratory skills. Welcome to the Riff Raff and Rory podcast. Today I am blessed is one word to be joined by such an honorable guest who I mysteriously came across is one way to put it um, in the last few weeks. Um, Alan, thank you. Thanks for having me, Rory, on uh, this auspicious day in July, uh, 20 years into a new millennia, which I think is uh, very strange. What happened to all the other 2,000 years? We'll talk about that as well. <laughs> because we're making an awful mess above this one. But uh, no, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, for those who are listening, I'm, we're both in Ireland. I'm, I'm on the coast in the Burren, which is a very old, ancient stone landscape. And I've been here for 13 years. I did live in New York for a few years. I'm originally from Dublin. And I'm a Celt. So that's never going to change. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like anything. It's the one thing we carry in our passports and maybe New York is not a bad place to start. But before we get that direction, um, we were very fortunate when I say we, myself and a friend recently, uh, were just exploring the landscape, as you said, the burn. And we were so curiously just um, exploring and landed on your doorstep. So before maybe we go through the journey of uh, traveling across the Atlantic. Do you want to just give us maybe a bit more of the current environment around where you are in the uh, Bogdell Center in the West? Well, I live and work in a retreat reserve of 50 acres uh, of, of landscape and stone and bush and tree and butterfly and bird. And uh, I've been here for four years and uh, it's, a, it's a very, it's a, it's a group retreat place where people go and teach or run courses or it's also partly a hostel as well which is how I bumped into you but it's also on the on the edge and verge of a very powerful part of Ireland close to a very auspicious piece of water called the Atlantic which is a very historical connection with our history both colonial and otherwise so having landed here on the edge of the world because Ireland is at the edge one of the edges of the world um, and in native culture they say the West of a country is, it represents death. And I don't mean that in all heaviness, but it also means a place where one will go through a death of source, which is what exactly happened to me several years ago and really over the last 16 years. So there's no, there's no coincidences in any of these discussions that I have or these unfoldings that I've remarked upon because there's an Irish philosopher, uh, John Moriarty, and he said, sometimes a parable is acted out upon you, 
meaning that sometimes you're forced into the belly of the whale and you are stripped of your what you think your current knowledge is to be brought home to your true self. So that's kind of what I've gone through as a writer and a poet and a speaker and a filmmaker, whatever title I've given myself at the time. Um, so this place, Bog Hill, became a sort of a training ground in a way. And it's all been a place where a lot of people have come from all over the world before the lockdown and uh, brought a part of themselves to here for various reasons, whether it be interpersonal or for training or just having been drawn here as a, as a volunteer. <clears throat> but always the landscape underneath was the thing that was really, had, the, had what I've noticed, the strongest effect on their life or on, on, on their time here. So I've lived in that, on that and through that for a very transformative and altering four years. Wow, and it's such a powerful journey because having come so intensely into the journey that we were um, blessed, as I said, to cross paths, uh, like we were met with your warmth, that we had a nice warm fire when we arrived on. And as you said, it's just the basic uh, nature of the healing. And it's one of the best parts, I think, uh, leading into your own journey as you were brought across the Atlantic, which I'm sure we can get into. But um, the main focus for you in the next few weeks uh, is within the center itself, uh, you have a retreat at the end of the month that you'd like to maybe possibly highlight, possibly trying to bring together males predominantly naturally. Uh, is that right? It's a retreat called We Forgot We Were Kings. And I'll tell you why the reasoning of that title I gave it. Um, it's, it's an attempt to draw in the masculine across Ireland, the forlorn, the lost, the somewhat broken, the disenfranchised, the disillusioned and the, and the disembarking from themselves into a space where no miracles will take place, only that of maybe a journey and a broken path to wellness in, in some form or another. And all of those long stories of people who have lives that were curtailed by conditioning or, or by hardship or trauma, like all of us, that is sometimes the longest journey, but that's the shortest way home because that means then you're ready for healing, you know? And I think the idea is to bring together a gathering of men over, over three days and uh, with, with poetry, with discussion, with philosophical debate, with interior reflection, with some physical stuff on the landscape like hikes and I do my fires and stuff like that. It's just to make a cauldron for people to look at themselves and maybe start to unwind or unfold in a way they wouldn't normally get the chance to because amongst men together alone, they say there's always a very strong communication that can take place like a relief or a release that you wouldn't normally have with partner or son or daughter, or, you know, there's an environment that's purely about reflecting with the self, you know? Yeah, and it's very interesting because I've had very fortunate paths that I've crossed. Even our second episode that went out was all to do with um, mentorship. But uh, there's a guy, our guest at the time, Craig White, who does uh, retreats in the UK called Men Without Masks. And as he said, like rolling into the second day of retreats and even having been on my first retreat this year, just gone in the last few weeks, Amazing, as you said, with the internal reflection, how the community feeling of that energy really starts to bring out uh, a whole different side of people. People coming in one door, looking one way, and probably looking out the other door, leaving it. I believe the true work is uh, is is an altering our perception. 
it's a sharpening of senses. It's 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 a removal of things that were never ours, that weren't necessary for us to be become authentic, which we already are, but just layered with layers of of material that we don't need, that were given to us from from the day we were born, really, you know. The, it's almost like you have to come back to the philosophy of what's the first thing you do when you're born, you breathe, and what's the last thing you do is you breathe when, before you die. So everything in between is the story, you know. And uh, it's taken me a long time to realize, and even in the last few weeks I realized it's just giving in to sort of the idea of just being present. And we talk about that. Lots of esoteric philosophers talk about being in the moment, you know, living in the moment, being present. But to, to really feel... To really get to that point, you must have dropped away the ballast of the conditioned life. And it takes a lot of work. It won't happen in a weekend. But as I was thinking today, if you're in a traffic jam, who's leading that traffic jam? <laughs> you know, it's headless. So we don't really know what we're doing most of the time. In this traffic jam, just moving around in busyness. And it's a form of avoiding mortality. It's also a form of avoiding the energy that's inside you, and this is a lot what I do in the workshop, the initiatory energy, the universal energy, these powerful primordial energies which have no container, which if we can't cope with them, we blunt them. So if you're on a train in the morning, you're going to work, and you see a man in front of you, and he's just staring at the window, and he looks blank. It's not that he's just tired. It's like he's literally burying his divine life force to get to a place that maybe he's not too happy about going, but he doesn't realize that He's like a sack of energy that hasn't been transformed. And there's this crying out in that silence. There's this crying out. If a man was to step onto the train and start singing lament about men or about, about grieving the fact that you're not yourself anymore, all these men would probably can start crying or they would say, what the hell am I doing here? You know. So there's been a mass exodus out of the inside of ourselves. We're not, and- in, we're not home. We're homeless. We're, we're in exile has, and particularly in Ireland, men are in exile from themselves. And they might think they've got their mortgage and their kids and their competence and their, you know, you know, they come home and they've got their, they've done their bit for society, their family. And there's, there's almost like a, vir- a virtuousness about that. It's noble. But truly when they close the door and they sleep at night or they lie in bed and they wonder, who the fuck am I? Like, what is it that I am? aside from all of those things. So if you take all of those things away, which is what had happened to me at one point, then where are the road signs? There isn't yeah. any. or there is, Societally, there's none because they're not given the respect of, of seeing that it's a process that they're, that they're being invited into when everything's been taken away. They, they, it's then labeled as depression or as psychological issues or of can't cope with society or being stressed or not being mindful or, or, or all of this kind of bullshit labels that people put on them like, and this whole thing of mindfulness, like go walk barefoot in the park is shit because this isn't a true medicine. That's only one tiny aspect of whole of war of, of incredible philosophers and men's leaders that have been talking for centuries since Seneca back, you know, in the Roman empire about stoicism, about the philosophical idea of, of initiatory, archetypal psychology, all of this really rich tapestry that I've studied and I'm not a profound expert that I want to bring to the weekend to lay out like a tapestry and say, pick what you feel it activates something in you that you haven't felt before. You know, you're not going to see this stuff on RT News at six o'clock on the Angelus. You're not going to see it in the daily tabloids. You're not going to see it on a Facebook post. You might see it in the wing of nature. You might see it in the darkest hour with yourself between you and wherever you call God. All I'm doing is become a doorway to say, 
this is where I've come from. This is the desert that I've crossed. And now this is the boon. This is the treasure that I've been given painfully to show you to, if you want to take part in this, to help you. Not just for people who are traumatized, but uh, people who just want to feel themselves again, who want to just have a space of masculine expression. And we have a, a powerful lineage of our culture that's been diminished and repressed and cauterized. And the male right now is struggling to find his way home. So, so the Celtic well genius that's inside every, the, the Celtic genius that's inside every man in this country needs to be gently with care and love awakened because ultimately the women, the feminine are waiting for that work to be done because they can do all the work they want. But if we don't do the work, their work is irrelevant because they have to meet, they have to have our work meet theirs in the feminine and masculine. And that's what they're waiting on because that's where the healing happens. And a shock to the body can awaken the soul's work really in the end, you know? Yeah, so very, very beautiful. The apology towards the feminine has a lot of women and the feminine because can only be achieved through self-healing within the man. And and, and I am think, I right in thinking uh, in at the moment that we are what's the correct me if I'm wrong uh, change of the seasons is masculine to feminine or the other way around is it in the sense of the summer solstice? Well, I don't really connect those things and it's an interesting theory actually you know but I, i've been thinking a lot about uh i use the word blessing a lot and we had in the etymology of irish beautiful phrases and beautiful words which i'm gonna bring study and bring some more of them to the retreat which was almost like a quantum expression of of the complexity of irish so um we all are celebrational sacred times like the Bieltana and, and, and the summer solstice and the winter solstice and all, they all had connection with with simply divining and praising nature has 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 a god like you know and when priests post post pagan and into the into the heavier Christianity they they disconnected from the god inside literally by in the old days in the first Latin masses the priest would would turn to the altar and be with the audience to to celebrate God together. But when he turned and faced the audience, he was then taking on the I'm representing God and therefore he disconnected the collective God in us. You know? So that was a huge transition out of the pagan thing, which was nature and the divine, to now the authority of God is within the power delivered by the church. And that had a massive impact. Men by osmosis... Children need fathers by osmosis on the land, say, for example. So when they walk with the father, they see the butterfly. He tells them about the soil or the cycles of the sun and the seasons. And through that, he starts to learn a responsibility towards himself and nature. When they had to go to factories and suddenly the father wasn't there anymore. And when the, the, the boy had all these energies that wanted to be transposed or alchemized, there was nothing there. So he, they turned inward. They became... They became sort of damaged, you know. So, and then you had obviously a further imposing culture, a dominator culture. And now we have this, we have completely, my retreat is about a remembering. It's all there already. You can't destroy that which is in the cellular spirit, the cellular lineage. It's a remembering. It's like redialing all the switches again to combinations to go. Aha, because many of my own moments and my own journeys, particularly in nature, were aha moments. I'd come up with these phrases, 
seemed very philosophical, but there are really conclusions about what I, how I, through my experiences with, with nature walking with me. So, um, but you talk to an average man and he's in a certain kind of job and he's, he's busy and he watches Netflix and he goes home and he goes, there's such a loss there of Oh communion. my God, so true. And, and this isn't about lighting incense sticks and beating drums. This is actually about a discourse in words because words really are where this begins. The discussion and the expression and getting back to the root etymology of what words actually are. And as a poet as well, words are essential to me because words carry a lineage in each word that when delivered have an impact on the soul. So that's why the media is violent. That's why political speech is so numbing and damning. That's why corporate speech and corporate advertising has such a, a warping impact on our, on our sovereign, fragile, expressive senses. So my thing is to retrieve the word and beautify the word again, give the word back its, its proper place, which is to make us noble, which is make us heroic. You know, to, you look at say, I was thinking about like even in the African-American community, like when, when the film Black Panther, did you see the Black Panther? It's a brilliant production. But if you look at the actual idea behind that, it was really powerful because it wasn't sort of a street rap thing. Right? It was actually celebrating the nobility of the root African culture, how powerful those people are, how, no, how beautiful they are, how noble they are. And when they yeah. spoke, they spoke in an almost Shakespearean tone because the African people are very, because I teach voice, they have very powerful speaking voices, you know? I was very struck by that and that's why it was hugely popular because they wanted to have something to look up to, to show the hero in their, in their culture, not show the mm. poor side, the criminal side, the bad side. And that's the same in Ireland. We've been, we've been taught to mistreat ourselves very badly. We're, oh beloved around, we're beloved around the world, but we have serious issues with loving ourselves. That's the irony. If, if we could see what they could see, how, how, how they see us, it will be a very different culture. And that's what the weekend is about, is showing, trying to mirror, put a mirror, so look at your nobility, look at your beauty, look at your power, look at your potential. And this is in our lineage. This is actually who we were and who we are. So that's a serious battle and it's a serious mission because that could translate and transform Ireland in a way. Because why is it that we have the corruption all the time? Why is it that we have limited opportunity? Why is it that people want to leave in droves? Why is it go, oh, I hate this place, I want to get out? You hear that monologue over and over again. They need to come back into Ireland, not leave Ireland, come back into the space of actual Ireland, not the overculture. Go dig deeper yeah. than that. Because that's where I dug for 17 years. I dug into the soil with the root of the blood and the history and ultimately the the bedding of beauty that's at the bottom of all this, you know? So well put because there's so many points I could go across there, but I think you've covered so much of it there in such a grand way. Like, you know, not to say in a grandiose way, but like it's really teaching the essence of how uh, a man has been lost. You know, as you said, like the tidal analogy I love with, you know, the ship being lost at sea. Like Ireland, mm. we're so negatively built. Maybe that's human nature also too. But at the same time, yeah, you're so right. I even heard on, uh, Jesus, it sounds like an old uh, phrase to say this, uh, reeling in the years last night on how quickly we adapt as a country that like say Leo Varadkar came in and all of a sudden he was Taoiseach. This is not going back too long. Like in the late, uh, was it yeah. 2017, 18 era? 
even when I say that, it's only a couple of years ago. We do adapt very quickly. But again, as you said, we've lost, honestly, it really feels like we've lost, we've lost that essence of how to connect to the Irish soul. Like there's just, there's a disconnect, 100%. And I know that from a Gaelga backdrop in uh, primary school that we've definitely lost, like even the diminished level of the language. And I'm sure even, you probably even feel that like, would say from a poetic sense, like, does it ever miss a line? Would you love to be able to do it at Squelga? Like, there's a book which you've probably heard about, 32 Names for a Field. This is about the richness, the etymology of the Irish language. And uh, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful book because it's written by a man called Mankan Magan. I, I can't even forget his name. He's a guy out in Westmead. He's, he's been, he grew up in Irish, studied Irish and has a really kind of very deep grasp of the old, old Irish. And some of the phrases and the, and the, the relationship of, of the words and the sentences are profoundly intertwined in a way, as I would call it. Our language was quantum. It was multi, our language, our Irish language was multidimensional. English is the singular. This is multidimensional. Like I'll give you, I'll try and give an example. Uh, because I was making notes, I'm going to read it again. I'm just going to try and learn the phraseology. But Ristrag is a remnant of an enigmatic process that warriors underwent to access inspiration and strength. It also is the t- tip of a comet, and Kukulam was compared to the tip of a comet. So in the end, it means it has it's, it's a description for the battle spasms of Kukulam. There's another word called skein, which is like div- a spark or divine spark, and I just, I can't even go, there's so much of this stuff. I mean, it's just thousands and thousands and thousands of fields in Ireland that have specific names that have a history to those. And so that brings you into closer contact with the idea of a field being more than just a field. It's a place of birth. It's a place of ritual. It's a place of incarnation. It's a place where certain types of cattle, and even there's even like about 30 or 40 words for the different types of holes in the ground, like a hole that's been left by, by a calf's hoof or the hole that's been filled in by the rain. And when you get into all this more and more, you realize we lived with, with, with Kelter and Alter. I think Kelter is the present world, the real world, and Alter is, is, the, is, the, is, the, is the other world. And Alter, as you know, is like Alter, as in like a priest's altar. That's the border between the sacred and, and, the, and the liminal, or the sacred and the, and the real world, you know? So all of these things we've lost is in, in our daily language. We have the singular English language, which doesn't present any of those complexities. So I'm trying to amalgamate this a bit, but more and more and more into my own writing and idea of, and I've lived fairly in those other worlds. So when you start reading this book, you start to, it starts to make you remember. And there's a genius in what we are. That's a very important thing. We've been mocked for hundreds of years as this and that and this yet. The other cultures know that we have a certain kind of genius that they can't put their finger on. And this language sort of exposes and expresses that. The book expresses that. And you go, oh, I was crying. I couldn't even read something. It's so moving because of the loss. But I don't actually think it's all lost because I have a friend who's 98 and he's died a couple of years ago. But he was a profound writer and intellectual. And he's also an oratory holder of a place called, called Dan Cronin. And he passed away, but I felt nothing was lost because where did he get all his knowledge from? Here, the land. If a baby is born in this island, 
it too will have access to all the knowledge of the land. There is no dying of anything. It's there to be remembered. It's like a river. You just have to dip your hand in the river. And that's what's so beautiful about this book. It's like a river of, of, of our history through the etymology of Irish, you know? Wow. And that's Gormiel Margot for so, that because it's so rich, like the Irish culture, and this is probably a real um, transitional chapter to take us on the journey that maybe brought um, a lot of your own work to light because listening to some of the podcasts um, that I've been very blessed to listen to this week, you've had great momentum building up the retreat and the awareness so far. But uh, maybe just to take a slight segue into this, um, like we've gone on the journey of the Gwelga there and naturally, you know, you've given us some uh, nice uh, language there to use. With, with the language, that's one phrase, sorry, yeah, I suppose, or subject even, that I find myself being so sensitive on. You mentioned earlier on the Romans, like I love connecting to like Marcus Aurelius uh, with the Stoicism, as you mentioned, and mm, how, exactly, to be, yeah. how, how to be sensitive in your awareness and your consciousness. And like language is so important. Like it's so unique. And I think what really is embedded under the Irish culture of this, you know, harp on the passport, you know, behind the pint glass, behind all these things that culturally we're known internationally for is this beautiful masculine figure. You know, there's such an element of an Irish tradition that's lost. And it feels like, as you said, the lineage is so present because I've done that even in my own work recently at a retreat. We did, I think, back seven generations in a masculine lineage. And it was so bizarre, like saying my great, 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 great. You couldn't even say it. There was so many generations in that mm. uh, sentence. My question on the back of all that is with your own uh, journey that maybe ties in leaving the shores and coming back. Um, like, was there an essence of your own mas masculinity that you lost uh, bringing this weekend to light? I would say I've always had, without polarizing it too simply, I've, had, I've always had a very strong feminine. I'm highly creative. I've written books. I've, I can do poetry in minutes. I can do talks. And I make films very powerfully. Just I'm such an imagination for that. But my masculine was always quite vulnerable and wounded and shattered. And so that made me lack direction and lack grounding and lack taking care of my basic needs for a long time. And that resulted in a lot of problems. So um, I had to go on the journey of really, which is painful, a sort of a, a long self-initiation. But I would not have titled that at the beginning of all this loss. I would have just tried to be coping with stuff, bad stuff that happened. But I think it was my body's soul sort of unconscious shocking to kind of go, right, you need to you need to you need to take off that skin, all those skins that were laid upon you, and find the grounding, the lodestone, the philosopher's stone at the center, which is my true authentic self now, which is my true masculine, divine masculine self. And divine masculine is very important that word because toxic masculinity, which is such a hip word is not the masculine, it's just bad energy, it's, un it's unconditioned, it's conditioned to human being, it's trauma. Masculine isn't toxic by its, it's like saying, that makes like saying a lion is toxic because he, he goes out and hunts, you know? We, at our essence, properly served in our true self, the masculine is dangerous, but dangerous if, if, if used that power properly 
dangerous in service, dangerous to help, dangerous to be compassionate. He can be compassionate with an, with an air of power in it, with an air of will in it. You know, we've been, we've been sort of, again, disempowered or because or, they're frightened of the divine masculine because he has, as I'd say, there's two aspects of what I look at. There's the interior, which is the, should be the, or the exterior, which should be physically strong, should be trained and healthy and working with oneself. And that's why I've worked a lot on the land. But there should be the interior, which is softer, which is porous, which is more poetic, which is to serve, which is to be compassionate, which is to be understanding, which is to be of service with his power. Most men are the reverse. They're physically not strong. They're eating too much food and they're sitting around, but they're inside, they're like a block of ice. They're hardened. There's no access to their emotional landscape. So I feel it should be reversed in a way. The process is reversing that in a way. If you spend two hours going to work in a car, two hours going back to work in a car, maybe five, six hours sitting down, and then in the evening sitting down more, your, your body is not built for, uh, for um, lack of use. You're meant to be with movement. There's, there's a, that's divinity. You know, it's not just contemplation. I found my true divine masculine came through my movement in the landscape, my walking in the landscape. The Buddhists say the more you walk, the more you purify. I literally walked thousands of miles over the last five years in some of the same places, chopping the wood, tending animals, digging in the soil, lifting gravel, you know, walking in storms, walking. And that was in parallel to the poetic studies I was doing. So that was the softening and the hardening at the same time. It's like a forge. Hard and soft, hard and soft together until the sword is wrapped and it comes to fruition. That's why the symbol in my poster is is a sword. It's it's that and the connection of the feminine hand on the sword. That's the marriage to the land. That's so well put because like that journey of the natural masculinity is such a new phenomenon. But yes, it's sorry, yet it's such a traditional uh, image, you know, and it's something maybe that hopefully your work will really bring that image back to light because it's so important that we balance the internal and the external. You know, if we forget one side of it, there's no balance. As you said, the flow is lost, the energy is lost, and all of a sudden there's no connection. That male and female side, again, now I've only poetically speaking, myself got really connected to that in the last two years since I've really hit the darkest or more challenging points of my life, I'd say, personally speaking. But it's amazing, as you said, all of the movement that even more recently, say, like through even uh, five rhythm dancing or anything like that, that really oh. opens up the body. Like the more you open up the mind, the body, the healing comes from nature, though. As you said, that actually opening out the door and saying, right, there is a world outside of my head and my body just wants to go. If you let that connection happen, it's amazing the level, as you said, of the journey and how it goes. And you could literally be only, as one of our guests that will be coming on in a few weeks said, my garden is my church. John Royarty had a thing where he was in Guggenbara Church, a very beautiful place in Cork. And... Uh... He, he was watching swans on a, on a pristine mercury mirror lake and it was such a beautiful image of these white swans on a sunny day gleaming. He ran into the church to get away from the image of God. 
I'm so blinding to him. So <laughs> I was thinking that if if we're accused as men of certain things and we're this, we're that, and we're misogynist and we want to be this, and if we don't answer those accusations, then younger men will think that that's true. So they're brought up then the culture of, of being shamed, basically. If, if we're taught to think that we're bad or we're potentially violent or we're this or that. And, and so what happens is that then where's the role models? If we're living in, in the sense of guilt about ourselves, what does the younger man think about that? He takes that on board as well. And I really do think a lot of the joyriding accidents and drug taking and all this stuff, they're just cry out, cries out for initiation. They're cries out to, to try and understand death, but you shouldn't have to die to be initiated. And that's the whole problem with suicide is that you're in so much pain, you want to kill yourself, but you have, we have to teach you how to kill the pain inside, not you. Most men in this society are unfinished men because they must be made, carved, hammered, shaped, alchemized, and they're, they're unfinished men. So it's like a sibling culture, as Robert Bly said, there's a lot of men like children walking around. You ask a woman that, they'll say, they'll say, my man does not express himself. No, all men, uh, he's like a little child. And then the woman then becomes to mother her partner, which is the last thing that a woman wants to do. She wants a man who's a warrior, but who's peaceful. She doesn't want a man to be a child. And um, where does he get that from? The father, who himself has not been initiated. So it's a lineal thing of passing on. And when you're born, you don't want, if you're a boy, you don't want to be a woman because you come from the mother, but you want to look toward the man. You want to look, and he's meant to teach you to go out and find your soul in the world. That's why men go on journeys, walkabouts and hiking, because they're trying to look for their soul in the world. They have to go and seek it, to seek the answer, to seek the story, to reflect that part of themselves. So it's not easy. It's difficult to find a sacred space. You don't find a sacred space in the middle of a city. You know, in a no, part, you don't very you well might find it. And, and you might be out in the beach somewhere with your family, but you're not in a sacred space because you're not with yourself in that place. So this idea I transcended was the idea of loneliness, which can happen to anybody. I went through a severe period of loneliness. Your, 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 your loneliness can turn into solitude. Because in the end, if you realize that those spaces where you are lonely, you're never alone. That's when you come into contact with the gods or the divine is when you're on your, your own. Yeah. So in fact, it's an opportunity. That loneliness and anxiety is an opportunity for massive growth. This is the issue that they make with anxiety. Oh, well, we have to, well, when you're anxious, like, and it's like, no, they're signifiers telling you where you need to, what you need to face. Yeah, it's like an electric yeah. impulse almost, you know. And when you start to grind them and, and alchemize them and face them and work with them, they turn into your greatest treasures. Yeah, that's it's so where, that's so where, beautiful. You know, because like even when I say that in the chapter of where I am currently for the next few weeks, yeah, very very simply putting it in the way that I've had so much support in my own way in the last few months and years, to be honest, and being with yourself, I, th I think. There's very few people, well, it seems like maybe I gravitate towards people like that, but it's it's not something of a norm, you know, naturally in society that people would spend time by themselves, with themselves, and force themselves to try and understand that internal journey. And I've been blessed, as you said, signposts and all that along that road. So it's something that literally needs to be probably hopefully highlighted with the essence of a retreat like this, that it really uncovers to say to people as in men in general or women, you know, not being sexist at all, that, you know, no. if you can actually stop 
uh, in some shape or form. You mightn't even realize it yourself, but there's signposts everywhere in the sense of where you are in your life and what's going on, that all we're trying to do is help people take stock of where they are and really say, for example, the phrase that comes to mind is, am I happy? If you're not, let's help you do something about that. Let's help you explore. Not everyone will want to do that. That's fair enough too. Well, John Moyarty, go back to him again, said a very simple thing. It's not, it's not are you happy, is are you growing? Because even better, you know, yeah. happiness, sadness, they come and go in waves. You can be happy one minute, but oh, look at that beautiful sunset. Then you get bad news two minutes later. But are you growing through all of it? Because without growth is the only thing you hold on to in your life. Growth is the only thing that lasts, you know? And that's what I look for. And I think my own last 10 years has been a lot of hardship, but a lot of growing, a huge amount of growth. If you're growing, then ultimately that will benefit all of society because you'll be wiser, you'll be more humble, you'll be more passionate, you'll be more understanding. And that healing heals others then. That's the beauty of it. And all I'm trying to do is spend a couple of days with the right people. And all I am want to be is a spark, is a skein like that word, an ember that people can bring. Like in the old days, the men, the old farmers a couple of hundred years ago would carry little bits of ember of turf in their pockets across the land to light a fire in somebody's house. And I love that idea. I'm a big purveyor of the philosophy of fire, you know. Our fire hasn't gone out, but what's beautiful about the pain of the world right now is that creates, that dries everything up until people feel like they're not even human. But that tinder, that dry tinder, only needs one spark, you know. It's like the river dance, you know. You know, when it first appeared in television was 25 years ago, that little moment in the Eurovision, everyone, oh my God, what is this? Yeah, you know what that is? That's all parody. <laughs> And you can just get it. It's not, it's not the Angelus and you're getting a dose of right now, that little spark and you go Poof, and it goes and ripples around the world. What have had that luminosity in all of us here every day? There'll be no more corruption. There'll be no more taking political deviancy. There'll be no more accepting not the proper standard of housing and job and societal care. It would be gone. We would rise. And I always say, Michael Collins said, the state of the nation is reflected by the will of the people. The will of the people, yeah. they're so hurt and traumatized, they don't even know of what they're allowing to occur. Has It's almost like they've, nor they've internalized it, they've normalized it. And the whole idea of an initiatory fulfillment of the true masculine soul to come out of the sibling and be a proper man is you will not take any of that anymore collectively. You know, And the feminine be or otherwise can then be be the bridge for that support so you you then have this beautiful dance going on um but it's all one-sided right now the women are exhausted by holding these man children these who think they justify by bringing home a paycheck i'm sorry to be so derogatory but it just doesn't work anymore they but want it's, it's not it's, 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 it's it's not derogatory when you say have the lineage that literally carries that through and it's just a paycheck like literally you would see the standard masculine man arriving home and they wouldn't even know how to do the basics you know well what we would deem the basics like what is even as you said earlier good or bad like it's all energy in that sense like be it external or internal like how, how do we as you said i love that analogy with the farmer become that amber to just light that spark. It's like, you know, as you said, maybe passing someone on the train and go, 
you know, what's your dream? And allowing them that space or whatever it is, just to allow the natural flow of community, tribal experiences that really gives the essence of the fruit, which is the seeds of ideas, with the yeah. fruit being the people at the retreat. And it's like just letting that natural ambience or ambience, sorry, of everything flourish because if those uh, journeys came to light, as you said, be it with wellness or with meditation, you nearly feel like not being derogatory on all of that world at the moment. All of these uh, financial plays that are across it at the moment are all just trying to see how they can make money off it rather than actually trying to say, how can we actually implement a strategy here that helps the nation recover? You know, how can we actually turn this around and go, right, Ireland needs to heal genuinely. And we're still struggling be it with trauma from addiction or whatever, as you're saying, it's so beautifully put that we're now taking this essence of even our conversation this evening to use the wisdom of trauma to help collectively maybe possibly signpost someone or, you know, refer someone to say, look, internally or externally, is there something more that I could do? Or they might even realize that and it might hopefully, you know, spur someone else in that chain. Well, what if the business which is running away from wounds, really? Because I, I'm just, I love this quote from Kafka, which you've probably heard before. You know, you do not need to leave your room. Remain sitting at your table and listen. Do not even simply wait. Be quiet, still, and solitary. The world will freely offer itself to you to be unmasked. It has no choice. The world will roll in ecstasy at your feet. And it took me a long time to realize there's no such thing as doing nothing. You give your soul a chance in that empty place to come join you and you have the universe within the palm of your hands. The, one of the most sinful things people say in society is I'm bored. That's a sin against humanity because there's too much in life that's beautiful to be bored and it's too short. And the other thing, was Malachi McCourt said to you, Frank McCourt's brother said to you once, the only sin is despair. The only sin is despair. That's the one that you should not fall into because around every corner, there's something that can enlighten, illuminate, transform and transfix you, you know? So we've been dulled. Yates talks about, the, from one of his poems, sharpening the senses. I love that one. That's one of my favorite ones right now. You know, it's like a sword. It needs to be sharpened. Their senses need to be awoken and sharpened, you know? So like I was out in the Iron Islands. I go out there regularly when it's sunny and it's one of my favorite places in the world. There's no time clock there. It's the dream time. You step onto the... You step onto the concrete and, and the soil and the flower and the ocean and everything's about pure celebration of, of, of just beauty in a way, you know? And that beauty is transcendent and that beauty is, is like steel. It's very powerful. I believe beauty can heal the world, actually, really. Our celebration of it, our understanding of it, you know? So Ireland is filled with that miracle everywhere. I wrote a book yeah. called the soul of Ireland, not my poetry book, soul of Ireland and Odyssey home. And, and that was all about the revelation of, re, of a returning immigrant finally start to understand what it is he left, what it is he was born through and what he thought he was running away from. In fact, he really should have been returning home to. And there's a beautiful story for people who are listening from the philosopher, John Moyarty. And it's the story of big Mike, and uh, that's a whole story about a man returning, looking for the big answers to the big questions and living on the Aran Islands as a man, his whole family. It's such a beautiful story. And it's about casting away every piece of conditioning and worry and fear and relationship and that we have and, and going out fishing into your own spirit out to the deepest waters of life and wow. fishing for, uh, for 
the real answers. And you find at the bottom of all that, the fishing is, is, is good. The fishing is great. The fishing is fantastic. That's the essence of that story. But people should go into YouTube and listen to that story because it's, it's, it's great for the Irish to realize the answers are all here. They're right here. You don't have to sit in the top of a mountain in the Himalayas or, or live in an ashram. You can be right here in your living room because every bush is a burning bush. Everything is sacred in Ireland. It's, and the, 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 the veil between the living and the other world is very close here. It's I'm so important. No, no, no. I'm just listening and all because like there's so much wealth of uh don't ever say that. Like when a flow of a conversation is going that direction, uh I've been so fortunate with this level of build up in my own nature to try and understand this world from a nature perspective in the history and context of Ireland in general. Like the wealth of knowledge that you bring to a conversation like this is extremely extremely um detailed and i'm so grateful um because like even when you're going down that journey um like i remember even recently we had a conversation briefly uh, in our crossings that you're like Roy, your your work is actually here and like it's like in the essence of everything as you said it's just slowing down it's stopping it's uh, in so many ways like the simplest way forward in such a complicated world that it feels externally can be so simple like that's the one thing i keep loving about all of this work like it's so good to like explore and chat and have that energy you know to and fro as the tide would come in and out but like the simplest point is that the tide goes in and the tide goes out every day you know like us we show up but as long know, as you show up yeah. every day that's the most important thing I love going down to the ocean for multiple reasons. The, and one of the things I love going down to it is it's so vibrant. It's so filled with life. It's so new. And yet it's 4 billion years old. You know, the ocean seems like it was created this morning. We need to have the same sense of that immortality about how we approach life. Every moment should feel absolutely new and renewed. You know, I want to read a poem. I think oh, yeah. going back to the father son sort of cycle, we, which is where a lot of men have real traumas around because they haven't, they've haven't, they never really got the father they thought they would get or wanted. This is like some archetypal ideal. And this is a poem about the healing of those wounds. And I think it's a central motif, really, one of the retreat, you know, but it's, uh, it goes like this. It's called Father. I went to an ocean filled with my father's tears. I went to an ocean filled with my father's fears. I stood at that shoreline, unbroken in the sun, and there the Father's fathers stood joining me as one. The rapture of the universe was caught in every wave. The ceaseless grief and sorrow had made me such a slave. The roar of storms above approached the soul-filled caves, and then all the Father's fathers started to be saved. Their voices whispered nightly on perfect water foam. In unison they spoke and said, my son, you, are the unwritten poem. For the sweat of world betrayal by fuller broken men had kept my blood and anger frozen in the den. So I went upon my knees at the holy ocean's brow and I knew the warrior serpent was standing with me now. I carved these words anew in sands unwashed by time and said, now the grief you suffered, Father, will be washed along with mine. Oh, that's powerful. Very moved, actually. That's, uh, yeah, thank you for that.
in the sense that uh, I had even just listened to Bridget, uh, another one that you had narrated as well, uh, just before we aired oh, yeah. this. Right. And um, I think the whole level of words, like especially with podcasting and such a new space with audio that really has taken the light of even this journey that I'm on here, you know, giving back gracefully through what I'm learning. Hmm. Um, like the, the medium of language really, as you said, is where it all starts. You know, it's the first thing that we experience, even our own names. The one thing I love recently coming across was, uh, that even our own names, uh, are just like words that are impressed upon us. And um, it's just the case that naturally, all of a sudden then it's like, as you said, the aha moment that naturally it's, um, oh, that's my name. You know, it's so bizarre in that sense that we have such a rolling momentum of society in, call it paradigms, call it matrices, call it behaviors, call it habits or whatever, the one thing that I love, even as you said, uh, with your uh, experiences to date, uh, the fact that you actually have written books and you've been flawless in the sense of your experiences and your awards and like, you know, my God, I'm sure you've had plaudits across the board, but honestly, genuinely, um, experiences like this, uh, I'd love to be able to uh, carry forward in simplistic terms, as you said, to hand over the torch to the next generation. Like my my thoughts will be all around, like simply putting it. We had another guest on recently, Alex, who has uh, gone down the road of um, publishing books for children. So, like, I'd love to be able to like simplify this to teach the next generation to say, look, it's okay. Like, the next thing is you're going to become a man, and this is what it looks like. You know, kind of hand the torch down, but like you know, simplify it to break it down that they're not just coming in, as you said, out of school or whatever time they face in their life. And all of a sudden it's just hit by this emotional wave, as you said, and all of a sudden it's, you know, substance abuse or whatever it is. So maybe for the last couple of minutes that we have left to explore this, I'd love to just get your own thoughts, maybe to see like, how would you love to see the mantle of our current generation and work um, set up or carried through onwards, you know, currently and maybe into the future? I think there's an, a very powerful reckoning coming in Ireland soon and that there's been so much hardship and suffering and alchemy not completed here that that there's a I really feel I'm at the tipping point of something here very powerful and I think um, I think children already understand in a way um, and you know if I was running a curriculum say in Ireland one of the things I would speak teach is oratory skills is to, you know the Fianna said before a man can wield a sword, he must learn to speak poetry and dance, you know? Before you can wield the masculine, one must come to terms with your wounds and your sensitivity, but also understand the poetry of purpose, you know? If you tell a man that somebody knows he's in serious trouble and he has to walk a thousand miles to save the life, a man would have an extreme purpose about him, a mission. We've all been moved by, by great leaders throughout time, mainly non-political, who have had missions like Gandhi or Martin Luther King or Nelson Mandela. They had strong purpose. And I think a boy will look toward a man who has purpose, not just paycheck. So do we have the courage to really follow our true, our true 
purpose in life. And I think that is partly what brings proper, ma- sorry, masculine masculinity. You know, you're not going to find that on a billboard going down the M50, going back to the M50 again. You're not going to find, they're not going to say, you know, who are you on a billboard in the morning? Because that's probably what you're saying just before you wake up and <laughs> forget everything, again, you know? So, um, I think, you know, I did some interviews on the radio there the last couple of days and there was a man who contacted me the first interview and he was 72 and he wants to come to the retreats, which is why I've opened it to all ages of men over 18. And uh, he's like, well, I've not, there's nothing like this for me. And like, I, I get up at 12 at night and I get up at 12 in the day and I have nowhere to go and the pubs are closed and simple little sentences, but revealed a man living in, 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 in confinement almost. You know, we could walk across a hut 10,000 years ago and, and talk about our feelings to an elder. Where do we, where can we do that now? So mm. the younger generation need to see a, a, a structural or a celebration of manhood and a celebration of the male. You look at like a football match, 20,000 people there watching an event, but you're only, you're, not, you're passive. You're not partaking in it. Even if you five people in a room, conversing that's that's an event in itself i love what jim carrey said sorry i'm non-secreting all over the place i love what jim carrey said he said um you don't have to watch forget about watching the super bowl i am the super bowl (laughs) it's so true it's like you're extraordinary you're so much power and beauty and elementalness like that you can be all those things you know so i think nail has to the male has to lead by example, and if he can find the courage to come back to himself, the child will need no books. It'll be by osmosis. It'll be by gazing in awe at the male on on a mission, redemption, on a mission of on a mission of helping the feminine, on a mission of of changing the structures that hurt us. You know, that's his job. That's one of his jobs. You know, it's so well put. And tying in that old phrase, um too small language on Ibra like is like part of the work even for myself because this whole essence of the podcast was the inner child and bringing together my own nature of who I am and really bringing that essence together in one big ribbon and trying to give it out uh, and explore that with everyone else so um, like all I can say is I am absolutely uh, overwhelmed is one way to put it uh, in so much uh, gratitude of the essence of your work and uh, please God I will make it to um, attend um, but for those of you that are aiming to uh, possibly see if there's a space currently where we are in a pandemic um, is there any final thoughts uh, just that you'd like to share, Alan, um, for those people that maybe seem interested or maybe have been uh, um, enlightened in some way, maybe? <laughs> first of all, go to bockhill.com, which is where all the booking and the structure of course information is. You can Google me on YouTube and that, and, and there's a number you can call me directly if you want to know more. And the other thing I'll say is that, like, have the courage just to come and, and sit with us, you know? It's like you're part of the tapestry of something that goes back a long, long way. And our people before us are crying out for healing of their lives that never got answered. We are the answers to our own questions. And if we can answer those questions together for a while, then we'll be the seed bearers going back out into the world, you know? So I think it's a worthy weekend for that. And I'm the facilitator 
I've bridged the door. I've walked the journey myself and I'm just bringing you that little spark I was talking about held in my hand. I just want you to spend the weekend and learn what it, where it came from and to take it with you. You know, they're seeds. Real grace comes after, after you've had courage, you know, so... We need that right now. We need grace and courage at the same time. So I'm looking forward to it. I think people, there's a lot of interest right now. So if people want to find a place with me, then go to bogkill.com and the rest will unfold in a way none of us might understand, you know? As I say, to be continued and you've lit the fire and uh, I can say, all we can say is hope that it all manifests and uh, I'm sure it'll be a great weekend. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And uh Bless everyone out there because in the end of the weekend, it's about being blessed. I think I've been blessed for my own journey and uh, thank you for listening. And I hope there's things there that people can take away and reflect on. Welcome to my world, Riff Raff and Rory podcast. Episodes will be available every Monday and you can listen to the podcast on all podcast streaming platforms. Follow me on Insta, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. All of my handles are in the show notes. Thanks very much. Tune in next week.